You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot No, I just be listening to pods Yeah, one in particular I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is monday the divisional round is in the books and the championship games are soon to be coming to us dennis how did you survive this quartet of football games well i enjoyed the bengals win you know, San Francisco, Dallas was kind of a nail biter. That was that was somewhat exciting. Thought the the uh, the Jaguars gave the Chiefs a real run for their money, and then you know the Giants and Eagles was you know kind of how we expected. I feel like we we get this frequently. The wild card round is really really good. A lot of close competitive games. You're pumped about the matchups in the divisional round, and sometimes it's not quite as appealing. I, you know, I would say we had one good game, and that was largely due to an injury to a marquee player. And you had two games that were fairly lopsided in between, and then a last game that was just confounding. Right. Uh, but without further ado, we will dive into the games. And the, the game that I thought actually ended up being probably the most uh, competitive was surprisingly the Chiefs and Jaguars, where the Chiefs won 27 to 20, overcoming Patrick Mahomes' injury, which we will get to in a minute. But first, Jaguars, kind of a Cinderella story this this season. They spent a lot of last offseason uh, building a cast around Trevor Lawrence, including getting him a new head coach. And we finally got to see 
that Lawrence Travis Etienne magic, you know, on the field this year, they ended up making it as a division winner, winning in the wild card round. What do you see the Jaguars doing this off season to keep building on this success? Well, first and foremost, they need to get Calvin Ridley reinstated. You know, I, as a Detroit Lions fan, big Marvin Jones Jr. fan. However, if I can upgrade from a, what is Marvin Jones, 33-year-old Marvin Jones Jr. to Calvin Ridley, I'm doing it every single time. They, they have a good foundation. We've been saying they're a year early. They, they outplayed their, their comeback. You know, it was just, they have a good set of pieces, a nice core. To me, I think they have to make a decision on Ingram. Are they bringing him back at the tight end position? And given the way he played, he might price himself out of it for them. But if he's smart, he might go, you know, two or three years with this team at a reasonable price is better than, you know, go somewhere and have to relearn a new offense. And maybe he revisits the the non-developed issues that he had in uh, New York where he just never could quite put it together. Ingram had a phenomenal year this year. And I think staying in Jacksonville makes a ton of sense for him. On the other side of the ball, they need to improve their pass defense. They were 28th in the NFL versus the pass uh, and 12th against the run. Now, I'm not sure how much of this run defense being, you know, top 12 was because teams could pass against them so easily. But I think overall, adding some pieces on defense, maybe fortifying the offensive line. But from a skill position standpoint, you've got Christian Kirk, you've got Travis Etienne. Uh, you've got Zay Jones. Now if they can just get Ridley reinstated and then re-sign Ingram from a skill, skill perspective, they're good to go. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on offense. We weren't sure what to make of the contracts for Kirk and Zay Jones, but they've actually worked out really well. And seeing them alongside a, a Calvin Ridley, I mean, I still have questions, I guess, a little bit. We've Calvin Ridley has missed most of the last two seasons. So uh, we saw that with Deshaun Watson coming back after missing a really protracted amount of time. You didn't just pick up in the exactly in the Pro Bowl form that you had when you left. So, but he, if he can get reinstated this offseason, we could see him work his way into shape in camp, maybe build some chemistry in the preseason and throughout the early season. I like the pieces they have. I'm also with you. I think they need to get a few pieces on defense, but I think the Jaguars are shaping up to potentially be contenders for the next few years in a division that's still massively in flux. Colts don't have a coach, don't have a quarterback. The Titans, not even sure what their philosophy is. And then we won't even talk about the Texans. So the Jaguars have done some good work to get themselves in shape and could be a lot of fun for the next. Yeah, they could they could win the division the next two or three years fairly comfortably. I mean, yeah. the, the Titans, I think, under Vrabel are always going to fight hard um, and win some close games they probably should, shouldn't. You know, but bringing back Ingram's spot track places his value at about – 8.8 million. They're saying, you know, a two year, $17 million contract is kind of what his market value is. I, I think based on the year he had, 
he's what, 28 years old. That would take him up till he's 30. That makes good sense to me, bringing him back at that value. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes got a uh, gruesome-looking injury pretty early in the first half. We actually saw Chad Henney finish the first half, but Mahomes was able to come back. They've confirmed it to be a high ankle sprain. I know a lot of people have talked about it. It was less surprising that he came back the day of, given that you can get treatments right away and you're kind of already warm, than it is that he doesn't think it will hold him back from starting in the AFC championship game. Do you have any concern about him on Sunday? You know, they'll give him some pain management stuff. And while he does do some running when he's flushed out of the pocket, he, they don't, they don't do very much in the way of designed runs for Patrick Mahomes. Um, You know, he's a quarterback that's faster when he's being chased. You know, he didn't time well, um, but I think he also is a very, very quick decision maker. They've got a, a good offense. And I think as long as he doesn't take a bunch of hits, that he'll be fine. And I don't think Kansas City gives up a whole lot in the way of sacks. And smart teams make adjustments when they know that they've got somebody either like Cincinnati with uh, three offensive linemen or four offensive linemen out and starting backups or Mahomes with a banged up high ankle sprain, um, they're going to make play calls that cater to things like getting rid of the ball quicker. So you're not putting your quarterback in harm's way. I think he'll be fine. He's going to, you know, they're going to wrap it up there. It wouldn't surprise me if it's probably fairly immobile um, going into the game where he, he uh, ends up playing on it and, he looks like he's hobbling pretty bad, but a lot of that might be the way they've got it taped. He just can't flex the ankle, um, but he's got a great arm. He makes smart decisions. Travis Kelsey's there. Jarek McKinnon is one of the best running backs when it comes to um, blocking in the backfield. Uh, that's, you know, the downside of McKinnon is he's only about 205 pounds. He's not a terribly big back, but he's really effective in blocking. And so they'll make whatever adjustments they need to make to allow Mahomes to to lead that team. Yeah, and to me, I think this AFC championship is going to come down to the offensive line for both teams. You know, who can keep the pocket clean enough for the quarterback to find all the weapons that are around them? Because neither of them have been very successful as a power running team. Well, it's funny you should bring up that because Cincinnati is 29th in sacks. Now, they're 12th in QB hits, so they do get to the quarterback a little bit, but they don't close the deal. They don't get a lot of sacks. Um, and they give up the seventh fewest rush yard, so it would seem that teams pass on them kind of uh, at will almost because you can't get to the – they're just not getting to the quarterback enough. Now, they do get there at opportune times, but not necessarily very frequently. Their their sack percent was very low. And like I said, they're 29th in sacks in the NFL. 
The second game on Saturday featured the Eagles coming out and pretty well easily dispatching the Giants with a 38-7 to victory. Uh, we've talked about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley came in kind of on a contract year for the Giants. The Giants have expressed optimism that they'd like to have both of them back next year. Barkley has seemed more into that idea than some of the comments from Daniel Jones. But D- Dennis, what do you expect? Well, not only Daniel Jones, but it seems like Brian Dayball kind of, you know, today in news conferences talked about Jones very much in the past tense. So it almost feels like maybe they've had some conversations and they're going to, they have a number they'll pay him. And he's like, well, I could probably beat that on the open market. So it'll be interesting to watch the back and forth. Track has um, Saquon's value about $12.3 million. Uh, four-year, $50 million contract. You know, we saw this with Zeke, and it looks good, but, you know, four years for a second contract for a running back is a long, long contract. Um, I love Saquon Barkley, but he's been inconsistent. But he's 26. That would put him until he's 30. I don't hate bringing him back, but I don't know that four years is the type of contract I would want to do. You know, even three years is is pretty long uh, in terms of a second contract for a running back. But I think if you can, if you, he's, man, he's just so good. The market is just so crazy when it comes to running backs, though, that it's hard to know exactly what what they're going to do. I mean, how many Jerry Joneses are out there that are like, this is my guy. I know he's a running back, but I'm going to pay him. I don't know that tomorrow's are like that in New York. Maybe, you know, but we'll have to see. You know, and if, I, if I'm the Giants, I think I've got to solve the quarterback situation. I've got to do something about receiver. Barkley, to me, seems like the perfect candidate for maybe a transition tag where yeah. you can see – what his, you know, he can see what his market value is and you can decide if that's going to come in because I, I think you're right. The Giants sort of won the first time around mortgaged a lot on where they drafted Barkley in that particular draft, making, you know, trying to build around him. And, you know, he he's definitely a good player, especially at his position, but the Giants have got to figure out if they want to keep up with some of these teams, they've got to figure out, receiver and they've got to figure out their quarterback situation because they were good enough this season that they're not getting a high draft pick this year. Right. And and their offensive line has been playing well. They've invested in that over the last couple of years. And while Andrew Thomas kind of got bagged on his first year while he was learning on the job, he came on and had a really good year this year. On the other side, Hertz looked uh, back to his sort of MVP-like form, uh, looked really good throwing and running the ball. For a lot of the year, we thought the Eagles were the best team. That Hertz injury seems to have taken a little focus off them, but do you think they are still the best team in the NFC? You know, it's – there's – he's definitely the better quarterback left in, in the, the playoffs. I'm torn because I feel like San Francisco's defense is better, but Philadelphia's offense may be a little bit better than San Francisco. And 
so to me, this feels like it's a really, really even matchup between San Francisco and Philadelphia. And so I, I'm not sure that they're the best team. I think I think they are, you know, with with um, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders and Jason Kelsey. And, you know, they have a really good team. And they've got two of the best cornerbacks in Darius Slay uh, and James Bradbury. Um, they've had, they've been up and down a little more late in the season, uh, but they're they're phenomenal cornerbacks. It'll be interesting because we've got the vaunted Kyle Shanahan scheme going up against the um, the Eagles. Are they the best team in the NFC? You know, this is like a it's like a 50.5, 49.5 split either way. Uh, it's a coin flip to me. You know, I, I think relatively offense and defense are pretty equal with San Francisco. I think the thing that gives me the most pause is probably I don't know how much I trust Nick Sirianni yet. And maybe that's mean to say, but be curious to see how it goes in that game. Uh, the first game on Sunday was also fairly lopsided. The Cincinnati Bengals seemed to move the ball at will uh, most of the game, getting a 27-10 to 10 win over the Buffalo Bills in the snow. Dennis is the third straight year the Bills have been eliminated in the divisional round, and honestly, this one felt less competitive than the last two years. Buffalo noticeably wasn't able to generate much of a pass rush or much of a ground game. Are those two areas you think they need to focus on this offseason? Well, what's Von Miller's status? Did, did he, is he signed to come back next year? Yeah, he was on like a three- or four-year deal. So getting him back is definitely going to help. Um, you know, losing their back end, their safeties were a mess. They were they were had guys that were injured. You know, their replacements were getting injured. You know, to me, Buffalo's probably their biggest need is a wide receiver, too, uh, that's more consistent than Gabe Davis, because if you can convert some more of these plays, then that takes the pressure off your defense. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's a really, really good team, and Joe Burrow is—he's the it factor quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, we we've seen it with you know Mahomes has it, you know, but Burrow is is as the the newer guy is the it factor quarterback. Buffalo's defense, you know needs to I think their linebackers are good at average um, and they're good at making tackles downfield a little bit but overall losing von Miller took away a big portion of their pass rush and I don't think they they really got it back they're they're a really good team I think they're gonna you know patch some of the holes but the biggest hole to me is, that wide receiver too. And we'll see what they do at running back. You know, they have Hines, but Naheem Hines seemed to really excel as the running back three in that kick returner role. And I think they're like, you know, this guy fits here but in that role, but with Singletary being a free agent and then James Cook being going into his second year, they're going to have to do something there. Uh, I'm just curious where they're going to go with that second wide receiver. 
Yeah, I do agree with you. There was a lot of hope that Gabe Davis was going to have this breakout and be an incredible uh, player, not just for the Bills, but for fantasy. And I think we've seen he's the same player. He has super high highs, but also can kind of get taken out of games. He's probably better as their wide receiver three and kind of their home run ball guy. I'd be curious to see if they go get a receiver this offseason. I, I do think they need to do something in the backfield. I like Singletary as a complimentary player. I like James Cook as a complimentary player, but it seems like they need some kind of guy they can really uh, rely on to take some pressure off Josh Allen. On the other side, the Bengals seem like they were a little bit um, – I took it a little bit personally that some of the pre-sales for AFC championship game tickets on a neutral site started going The the Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year winning for the AFC. They have dominated Kansas city in their last three matchups. Should they really be the favorites in the AFC right now? Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And, as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. I don't know that their defense really earned them the right to be the favorite. They have one of the most explosive offenses. They're right up there with Kansas City when it comes to being able to put up points. It should be a barn burner of a game. Both of these games are set up to be really, really good games. The, We're going to get two 10-3 games now that you put yeah. Fox on this. Yeah, defensive struggles. Yeah. The, you know, Chase and Higgins and Boyd are are the the best three wide receiver unit in the NFL. You know, I, I, I said that early in – in the season, maybe even back in the preseason. And, and I, I'm I'm sticking with that. Hayden Hurst came on and, and he had a phenomenal year. And Joe Mixon for all of the uh all of the the oh he's he's not creating anything. You know, he put up a great game yesterday with 20 carries for 105 yards and, and a touchdown. And he got yards at times when it was really important for the the Bengals to to kind of salt the bills away I like I, I don't think they should be I think if teams are going to say they should be favored it's because everybody is pulling their hair, hair out and fretting about Mahomes high ankle sprain and I just don't think that it's it's to me it may have some effect but I think Mahomes is just such a good quarterback from the he's not a running quarterback, so it's not gonna it's not gonna take that away. So no, I don't think the Bengals should be favored. I think they should still um, be the underdog, but not not by much. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fairly even game. Both teams have things they have to overcome. The Bengals, you know, the Bills weren't able to exploit it, but the Bengals still have some questions about offensive line. You don't lose three starters, including both your starting tackles and your right guard, and not have some effects you have to overcome. And obviously we'll see how Mahomes is going, but it should be, hopefully it'll be a fun game. I just hope it's a competitive game because this last game we're going to talk about 49ers with the 19 to 12 win over Dallas was technically competitive in that it was very close, but it, uh, there was a lot of fun tweets comparing this to uh, Amazon's Thursday night football package. And for good reason, the Cowboys going to Cowboy Dak throwing a couple of interceptions. They had a extra point blocked, which was great. <sighs> And some curious end-of-game decisions uh, by the coaching staff, including a last play that was memorable. Uh, one of the big things that seemed to be a blow for the Cowboys in the first half, Tony Pollard got rolled up hard, ended up fracturing his fibula. He's due to be a free agent. Do you think Pollard will be back with the Cowboys? And how do you think uh, this offseason will play out? Any coaching changes or significant roster changes in Dallas? Well... Jerry Jones is a patient, patient man. And so, no, I don't think he's, you know, they they got to the playoffs. I don't think Jones is going to make a coaching change. Uh, as much as fantasy analysts and Dallas Cowboy fans would love for Mike McCarthy to be shown the door, uh, I fully expect he'll be back. I, I could be wrong, but that's my expectation. Um, Pollard, it, it's a bummer that, it, you know, he broke his leg going into free agency. Uh, the timeline is such that it's, to me, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to have any effect on um, the free agent process. We've, we've seen the tape. We know how good Pollard is. Um, I, I talk a lot about Alexander Madison maybe being the next Michael Turner, where he just, he backed up Ladanian Tomlinson for four years and then went on to Atlanta and had a great career of his own. I, I, I may be wrong. Maybe Tony Pollard is the, the next Michael Turner, and he's going to go and he's going to sign a nice free agent deal for three or four years. Um, you know, he's probably not going to get what Barkley is projected, according to Spotrac. But I think that Pollard is a much more dynamic player than Michael Turner ever was and a much more dynamic player than Alexander Madison. So. I could see Pollard getting a, a nice offer. You know, Jerry might franchise tag him. I mean, hell, he franchise tag Dallas um, or Dalton Schultz last year, uh, and so it could it could happen this year. I don't know what's going to happen with Zeke in Dallas. His contract is um, a, a bit cumbersome at this point, and I think we've we're getting to the point that Dak is a good quarterback, but I don't know that. You know, he's not an Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, high tide, I lift all the boats around me. And part of it, part of the challenge this year. He might be Aaron Rodgers if you actually looked at what Rodgers produces. He, you know, he had C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz and Tony Pollard. I, I think Dak need surprise. He's missing Amari Cooper. And they need another Amari Cooper level wide receiver, I think, to give Dak those type of options 
CD Lamb is phenomenal. I, I I love his ball skills, his route running, how hard he plays. But I don't think that Dallas is set up to be able to compete um, deep into the playoffs with just that with that you know the old time trio uh, like Aikman, Smith, and um, Irvin were. They need to have a another high level offensive weapon to be able to get things done. Well, if you had Zeke, I think from like three or four years ago, that plan might've worked, but they bet heavily on Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz over Amari Cooper this off season. Schultz had injuries that knocked him out. Gallup was really slow coming back there. Gamble on James Washington obviously didn't pay off at all uh, because he got injured and missed time. But, I think that was a tactical move that just didn't work out for them. Could it work out better this next year? I don't know. Isn't Schultz – he was sitting on the franchise tag, so they'd have to decide what they're going to do with him in general. Anyway, I, I'm with you. Gone, so. Well, and they've let their offensive line has taken some hits the last couple of years. I think they played uh, remarkably well uh, at times, but you saw their little bit of lack of depth coming in. They would be – well served to be able to have Pollard back, but I don't know if they're going to be able to afford to keep him. I think there are some questions. I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Quinn moves on, gets a head coaching job, but no assistant, I think, lost more uh, value uh, returning to their team for a year than Kellen Moore, who was one of the hottest names on the coaching market last year. And Byron Leftwich has entered the chat. Yeah, I mean, I guess both of them, you know, and I forgot about Eric Bieniemy. There, those are three guys who were super hot in the coaching market last year that seem to have like no, no coaching juice right now. It's been kind of weird. <clears throat> Brock Purdy had a decent game, if not spectacular game, as the 49ers were able to gut out and pull out the win. Uh, phenomenal catch by George Kittle, really powering that uh, drive for them to get the touchdown to go ahead. Now Purdy probably faces his most stout challenge as they go into Philadelphia. Do you feel like he's up to the challenge? You know, the, I like the way you worded it on the show sheet much better. Because what you asked was, how do we feel about Purdy in Philly? And my answer was, I'd rather have Hurts. Well, of course. But um, Anyways, so the Eagles give up the third lowest quarterback rating. Um, So Purdy is going to have a challenge in front of him. Uh, They led the NFL in sacks by 15 sacks. I mean, they were crushing quarterbacks. They had 26 more sacks than San Francisco did. And we've been talking about how great San Francisco plays defense. But when you look at the pass rush numbers, it seems like Philly is just crushing it. Uh, uh, They give up, let's see, the 17th most rush yards. Philadelphia gives up the 17th most rush yards. I had to figure out how I worded my note there. So they can be run on. They're very middle of the pack. So we may see a – we're probably looking at a low-scoring game based on what these two defenses do um, relative to, say, the Cincinnati-Kansas City game. I like what Brock Purdy is bringing to the table. He's 
He's not making mistakes. Now, he didn't throw any touchdowns this week, but the running game worked well. The passing game worked well. Uh, and the defense, most especially, was able to keep Dallas in check. I, I think Purdy has a shot, but I, I almost – I don't know. If, I, I feel like it's the end of the road. I, I think he just – they're going to be in a position where they are going to – they, being San Francisco, is going to have to score some points to win. And I don't know if if Purdy will be able to get it done against this high-pressure defense. Now, they've got some great weapons in McCaffrey and Ayuk uh, and Debo and Kittle, and they've got a really good offensive line as well. So it'll be it, – it seems like – the matchups are really, you know, really good defense versus an offense that's so-so, and then another really good defense against another offense that's better. I think Philadelphia is going to be able to pull it out just based based on their uh, their offense and, and Jalen Hurts being the better quarterback. Uh, it seems like he's back to health pretty close to 100% with the shoulder. So I I like Philadelphia going against uh, San Francisco. But I'm not expecting Purdy to play bad. I'm not expecting a first-half Trevor Lawrence kind of game from him. I, I just don't think he's inclined to make those type of mistakes. So would it surprise me if he had an interception? Maybe two? Not really. But I think it's... It's going to be Philly uh, because Purdy doesn't quite have what it takes to get the team to the next level. It's a great story, great run for Mr. Irrelevant, um, but I think he's going to have himself a, a tough day. Yeah, and I think it, you know, he he probably would have had one or two if the Cowboys were a little bit better at catching the ball, um, especially late in the game. He had one that went right into Trayvon Diggs' bread basket, so that – that has to give you a little bit of pause, but I think for San Francisco, if they want to get the win, it's going to come down to <clears throat> what they can get out of their running back. They have an excellent running back duo in McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, who's back healthy, pretty good line. And then what can their defense do to disrupt the Eagles, cause their own turnovers? And I think that's what it's ultimately going to come down to. I'm, I'm with you. I think Purdy has proven that he's fairly careful. I also think the way they script game plans is – you know, they are not going to expose their quarterback in the same way that uh, Jacksonville, where you have a Trevor Lawrence, who is the guy, is going to put him out there and let him rise or shine. It's going to be a couple interesting games. We have a couple more days to mull on them. And then we will be back on Friday with Matt to do our full preview. And hey, you know what? If the NFL likes us enough, maybe one of these coaching openings will get filled because I don't think I remember a time when we've gone this long without having any of the coaching openings filled. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like every all five teams want somebody off, off a playoff team staff. Or Sean Payton. Who, right. So do you remember a couple of years ago when basically Zach Taylor was being called as like, one of the worst choices. Who's Lou Anarumo or however you pronounce his defensive coordinator's name? And it was like they just didn't get it. it. People, we looked at it, and Cincinnati was patient. They let them build, 
and Cincinnati is just crushing it now. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. Well, Dennis, uh, if people are at home trying to adjust to life without Monday night football, what should they do to fill the, the empty void in their lives? They should go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Let it come into your feed every week without you having to do a thing. Then all you'll have to do on your favorite podcast player is just hit play. Give us a listen. Uh, download it. Listen. Don't listen. But give us a rate. Give us a review. We love those things. They help us out a ton. I guess we're to that sad part of the year where we're going to have to discover what Monday night television is like. Until uh, Friday, hope you guys uh, navigate these troubled waters well. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.